Yes, we do. Every single Saturday on these airwaves. My name's Casey Steve, the voice of your valley. Citizen Watch. On Merced's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM. 1480 AM, KYOS. Come on! That's you, Merced. Hot water. Cressy. And the beautiful little com- uh, community of Snelling. Finally called River Valley. Hey, uh, speaking of River Valley, now welcome to the show. Hey, September 25th, 2021, the 8 a.m. hour. That's early. No, 6 a.m. I got to get it right. I was thinking of the 8 a.m. hour because I was thinking of River Valley. We're going to have a special guest at 8 a.m., District 4 Supervisor Lloyd Pereira. That's right. We wanted to get Lloyd in for some time. All right. And he was gracious enough to break away from his schedule, drive in from the ranch, and spend some time with us. You're really going to enjoy that interview at 8 o'clock. 9 o'clock is going to be the Atwater Spotlight with special guest Brad Kessler, the mayor's guest, Mayor Paul Creighton, Mayor of Atwater, brought in Brad Kessler, and they are going to talk about a really neat thing that's going to go on in Atwater that you don't see in uh, the Central Valley or California that often, especially outdoors, and that's an ice skating rink. It's going to open November 1st for 70 days, my friends. That's a long time. That's almost two months. And that will be quite the attraction. I think it will reach far, farther than just Merced County. I think it will go up and down the valley. And then, of course, our own Castle Aerospace Museum. Just a wonderful, wonderful organization out there. Their static display increasing all the time. They're getting the F-117 stealth fighter. It's really going to be neat. When that comes and their open cockpit day is coming up, well, let me look at the cap next weekend, October. They delayed it a, well, almost a month, Labor Day. They were going to have it Labor Day weekend. That's when it usually is, the open cockpit day. But as you know, it was hot. It's been hot the last couple of Labor Days, and they decided aluminum and searing sun and skin do not go together. So they decided to hold off until next weekend, which is supposed to be pretty nice. This coming week is supposed to be really, really nice as far as the weather. I think Tuesday, a high of uh, 78, which is crazy. It's early in the morning. Again, this is the 6 a.m. hour Citizen Watch, September 25th. So happy to have you with us. Uh, it's been a, been a tough week. In a lot of ways, there's been a lot of bad news lately. And I, I don't mean just the... Uh, folks in our community that have passed away. It was a funeral yesterday for Larry D. Morse, Larry Dean Morse, the second, who, as you know, suddenly passed away September 14th. The obituary that came out in the paper was, uh, if you haven't read it, you need to. It was really, really neat. Uh, some of the things that were mentioned in there, very, 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 uh, very, very nice tribute. And yesterday, the funeral absolutely packed. Uh, you 
you really had to get there early to get a seat, get get room. Afterward, when the services, the conclusion of the services, when they brought the, the casket out to the hearse, a beautiful, beautiful presentation of the colors, the American flag by the Merced City Fire Department with the ladder truck extended the flag, draped, and then the playing of Amazing Grace by the bagpipes. Just a moving, moving tribute. Uh, this was live streamed. I believe it's archived. I was at the Boys and Girls Club where the celebration of life was going to happen. There were quite a few people in attendance watching the services. And that was just a tremendous tribute to a life well lived. And celebrating the life of Larry Dean Morris. The second will not stop with yesterday's services or the people getting together. And it was a really nice time at the Boys and Girls Club. Standing room only there. Also, a lot of nice people to talk to and fond memories. Today is another service at the same church, Our Lady of Mercy. It's for Madeline Kirby Davenport Lorenzi, who passed away August 22nd. Her services are today. Rosary is going to start at 9.30, followed by a Mass at 10 a.m. Again, Our Lady of Mercy. Corner of 21st and Canal. Beautiful, beautiful venue. Beautiful church. A reception will follow at the Itlow American Lodge. Of course, they're at the corner of 18th and U Street over there by the roller rink, 1351 West 18th Street. And again, our heartfelt condolences go out to E.J. Lorenzi for his loss, his children, grandchildren, all of the uh, relatives of Madeline. So it's been kind of a sad time. And then, of course, some of the things we've had happen in our community. The latest this week was a house exploding in a residential neighborhood, a, a somewhat quiet residential area, well-established, been there for many, many years, and suddenly uh, exploded uh, due to I guess the word is a honey oil lab. I don't think it was methamphetamine, but again, an illegal drug, a clandestine drug lab in the midst of a residential neighborhood. And this has happened in the past. Folks may remember over in Bellevue Ranch, there was a home that burnt down because of a marijuana grow, illegal grow. You know, that's where they turn every room into a foil foil covered walls and the reflectors and the, the lamps and the ventilation and the illegal wiring connection and I, that burnt down thank goodness other than surrounding property damage where and when i say surrounding property damage a lot of windows evidently blown out over there in the neighborhood and again nobody heard the garage door blown out into the middle of the street one of the individuals inside severely burnt, uh, critical or somewhat, uh, you know, extensive injuries. I don't know if he's still in critical condition. I don't believe he has been identified. You see a lot of things on social media. Again, uh, hard to discern what's true or not, whether it was a rental, whether there were squatters, 
whether the house was for sale and somebody just moved in, but it really goes to the point of knowing your neighbors, neighborhood watch, you know, waving to the guy and or girl or whoever, you know, just being neighborly because this could have been a very, very dangerous situation. And I'm not, you know, I mean, did, did people know what was going on or were they suspicious? You know, today we don't like to get in other people's business, which I'm a, you know, believer in. But if you see something suspicious, you know, the old see something, say something. So, again, a very serious incident here in the city. And it just kind of goes to highlight some of the problems. Of course, last week, I think it was last week, maybe it was a week before now, these incidents kind of run together over the mountain. Mike's Pizza, three people shot, one fatally. I believe he was 38 years old. Received a coupon in the mail from Mountain Mike's. Feed the whole family. Of course, he's got all the different, you know, $8 off any two large pizza. I guess, you know, you may not want to bring the whole family because you may not, will be a whole family when you leave. Got a little tongue-in-cheek there. But I, I just, what is happening to our community when these businesses, these establishments, it's not safe to go get a pizza? It's not safe to walk down the bike path. It's not safe to go to the parks. We see the rampant crime going on in the community. There's a great Facebook page, Merced Neighborhood Watch. And it's really amazing the audacity, the blatant criminal activity that goes on not only in broad daylight, but in the middle of the night here in our community. And it's very, very disturbing. The trash, the other things, uh, well, we've talked about it a lot. But I think people, based on the comments I'm seeing, are really, really getting tired of the same-o, same-o, and nothing happening, nothing changing. A lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of resources going to try to combat these issues, and we're not getting the results that we should for what we're committing. So again, kind of a sad, sad day, sad week with things that are going on. And when you lose some of the leaders, the scions, pillars of the community, it just reinforces that change that continues. There was an issue on, we're going to talk about the Merced City Council meeting most of this show, because again, we have Lloyd Pereira Coming in, Supervisor Lloyd Pereira will be on in the 8 o'clock hour. And I wanted to talk about the Merced City Council meeting that happened last Monday night, the 20th. Uh, another marathon meeting. I didn't think they could exceed. Well, they did it. The six and some odd minute meeting that happened the previous council meeting on the 6th of September. But this one, five hours. They almost made it. I think at the end they realized they didn't want to break that record again. A lot of redundant conversation, a lot of unnecessary, in my mind, unnecessary back and forth. But we'll talk a little bit of, about that. But one of the things that was on there was this G Street project. This is where the water main broke over there on G Street. Bear Creek Drive was closed for some months. The price tag on that was $750,000. And I just want to know, does that include the striping that someday will happen over there? Because there's no, there's no lane markings that, I, that I've seen 
unless that happened in the middle of the night. And, and I'm just wondering, uh, you know, when are we going to finish up the project? So I hope it's only 770 or 750,000, whatever it was. Uh, that was uh, that was amazing. Well, summer is over. Fall has fallen. As you know, fall began, uh, what, the Wednesday. And you can see it in the evening coming a little a little earlier every night in the morning sun not coming up quite so early it's going to be very very cool soon hopefully we're going to get a lot of rain this year because if we don't friends we're really in trouble the state has some big plans for us the state water board as far as diversions we have no water in the dam they've been very successful in draining the dams here in california and unless mother nature comes through and overcomes human nature up there in Sacramento, well, we're in, we're in big trouble next year for our irrigation system. Our irrigation season won't be anything to put in the system. So pray for rain. My sources tell me, which are the number of acorns that fall off the oaks up in the hills, that we're in for a wet winter. And I hope that is correct. Another little fun tidbit in Fresno. Now, of course, this was on Monday because I was watching the news and I think I wrote these notes. I'm like, 57 murders to date in the city of Fresno. We're in September. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And we've seen the murder rate increase a little bit here in Merced this year with some of the incidents we've had. Again, it's, uh, it's been a sad week. A sad week. Done with the first segment, 6 a.m. in the can. Again, 8 o'clock. Lloyd Pereira's Supervisor District 4, and then at 9, Atwater Spotlight with Brad Kessler. Really great guy. You talk about a guy that's involved in his community. That's Brad Kessler. We'll be right back. Stick with us through the rake. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. segment citizen watch my name is casey steed the voice of your valley on merced's news talk 107.3 fm 1480 am kyos man i have to do everything myself in here dave luna has a staff to do uh, his uh, work his engineering is absolutely unbelievable but me i have to do everything myself now you don't want to miss dave tonight cruising with the big kahuna dave luna I don't know what he's cruising doing, but uh, you want to cruise with him. He's playing the good music. Five to six? Or is it six to seven? I forget. Just glue your dial to KYOS, and you will hear Dave. Hey, let's get right back into it. I told you I was going to call, talk about the city council meeting. I uh, wanted to digress just for a moment. Bike riders. I'm uh, reading from the Merced County Times, the September 23rd edition. John Derby's column, the uh, publisher, Times publisher. Good old John. Captain John. The From Ship to Shore column that he always writes, page 5 this week, said bike riders would love a 
path around Lake Yosemite. Now, when he says a path, I think he's talking about a bike path because there is a somewhat of a path on top of the dam there. At least you used to be able to walk there. I don't know. Maybe they've got it closed off. But a bike path would be cool. He was talking about some uh, local riders. As you know, there's folks that ride their bikes from Merced to Snelling. Along Highway 59 there, it uh, can be a little dicey at times. Traffic moves a pretty good clip there. Some seen logging trucks, all kinds of things. Sometimes you'll see them, uh, the bicycle is pulled over, repairing the punctures, the goat heads, uh, whatever, sticky vines, whatever gets stuck in their inner tubes there, and they have to uh, patch them. But as John indicates, bike riders love to ride from Merced to Snelling in the cool of the morning. I've seen them in the heat of the day, too, John. And uh, then he says, uh, out of the blue, one of these guys came up. Most beautiful ride in the whole county would be around Lake Yosemite, the crown jewel of Merced County. I don't know about the crown jewel, but it's a, it's a nice place. John goes on, Merced has uh, too, uh, far too few real class one bike paths. It has bike paths, which amount to only a white line in the street off to the side. However, these bike paths are hardly safe for families to use or individuals. Cars drive over the line with abandon, and in some cases, the so-called bike paths are outright dangerous, and they are, where they're not class one. Class one is separated from the roadway, my friends, and not by just a white line, but physical separation. You see that along the creek, uh, Black Rascal, Bear Creek, through the eucalyptus going to the college. You also see that over at the Lake Road as it goes along the uh, side of the road there up to the campus. But then you go down Bellevue, and it's just that white line. And that's, let me tell you, that's really dangerous kids transversing from Bellevue over to the campus. There has been talk about extending, I think, a class one bike path up uh, one of the creeks there, irrigation canals. John goes on. We know that the current generation is less active than it should be. Few students walk to school anymore because their parents don't feel it's safe. Car exhaust right next to the bike path hardly makes the air fit to breathe. Why have not a joint effort between the four entities who have interest in the lake, and they are the Merced Irrigation District, UC Merced, and the governments of Merced County and the city of Merced make this happen? John asked that question. John Derby, publisher of the Merced County Times. Those bike riders at Snelling had a great idea. We wonder why someone didn't think of it long ago. Maybe they did. But nothing was ever done about it, and it's not too late. Well, I agree with you, John. Mr. Derby, I agree with you 100%. But you know what? <laughs> you brought up the problem when you mentioned the four entities, one of them being the county. And I only have to look as far as the bike path over there on Bear Creek, North Bear Creek, where Oleander runs into the foot of Bear Creek there, the foot of Oleander where it runs into Bear Creek to the bike path. You see the barricades, the, the blinking yellow lights. I don't know. You know, the only people making money over there is the uh, rental company, the barricade rental company. They've been there, what, a couple of months now? Evidently, the bike path surface, the roadway, and this isn't, you know, where cars go on this thing. This is, you know, a Schwinn, you know, maybe a baby carriage full of, well, who knows. And they can't fix this? In three months, now the supervisor for the area, Josh Pedroso, completely ineffective 
at evidently getting even the simplest of things accomplished in his district, which would be a bike path. It's about, I don't know, five, six feet. It's my understanding there's a pipe that's failed underneath it. It's caused it to collapse aside. I don't know, maybe it's overdrafting of the aquifer. But you can't, as a supervisor, get the bike path fixed. And here, John Derby brings up a great point because, you know, the lake... I believe most of the lake is in Mr. Pedrozo's district, Supervisor Pedrozo. So to try to get a bike path around the lake, you can't even get a bike path fixed over at Oleander in North Bear Creek after four months. People may not realize those bike paths that run along the creek are county bike paths. Just like the maintenance of the creek, the county used to have a permit to go down in there and clean out the brush and make it a little less hospitable for some of our unhoused community. But they let the permit lapse. Now, I don't know if that was Supervisor Pedroso or maybe a previous supervisor. But we don't have a permit from the Corps of Engineers so that we can go down into that waterway and clean away the brush. The transient, excuse me, the unhoused, do a pretty good job when they start a fire down there. That clears away the brush pretty good. But you want a bike path around the lake, Mr. Derby, when they can't even, when the supervisor for District 2 can't even fix the bike path that exists now? Quality of life issue. You know how many people park at McKee, hope their cars don't get broke into by the, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 transients that are living under the bridge. Again, quality of life issue that the supervisor won't address. Homelessness, a blind eye. Blinders on. Never Do you ever hear any solutions coming for District 2? The rampant crime, the car prowls. Again, just go on Merced Neighborhood Watch. So again, I empathize with you, with you, Mr. Derby. And I agree. You know what I'd like to see? You talk about the folks that ride from Merced to Snelling. Why don't we take that fire break that runs there on the east side of Highway 59 that they grade every year and pave that all the way to Snelling. Maybe we could attract some more bicycle races or have our own. Because that was a great thing to attract people to the area and to highlight our area. I know just before the COVID, we were hoping to have the Amgen come to town. And they were going to go up into Mariposa, come down through the university. So you're right, Mr. Derby. But unfortunately, we don't have the leadership at the Board of Supervisors in District 2 to even take care of the existing bike path, five feet of it, which has been blocked off at the foot of Oleander and North Bear Creek Drive for four or five months. I've talked to the manager of the city. I've talked to other entities. They go, Casey, our hands are tied. It's the county. So you name four entities, four entities. I think three of them are very capable, extremely capable. But the leadership of the fourth is incapable. Moving on, let's talk about the city council meeting that happened Monday night, 9-2021. Kevin was there. Kevin Blake was there, thank goodness, making a 7-0 board with nobody absent. Well, not 7-0. I mean, they didn't all vote the same, but at least they had seven people there because last week, as you remember, last meeting, as the Merced County 
Times indicated, where was Kevin Blake? He was the hero. It all came down to Kevin because it was a lot of 3-3 votes. So this time he was there sporting the mustache from 1970s, looking pretty good there. Public comment portion of the meeting was pretty interesting. There was a gentleman there that really, really got out of hand. Very, very foul mouth. You thought you were in Atwater when the Johnsons are at the podium. This guy had a staff. I thought it was a cane. Somebody told me it went all the way to the floor because I thought he had a cane, you know, kind of up on the podium. But it was this staff. And he was just so foul-mouthed and uh, very, very, uh, you know, really bad. Kind of looked like Santa Claus a little bit. His older gentleman, long hair, uh, big beard. But he's really disappointed in the council. He said, I'm not a happy camper. Blood gets boiling. And there's a lot of words I can't repeat. Uh, Anyway... He says he, he was coming after the council. I believe this gentleman was uh, escorted out by police. I wasn't there. They still don't have a place up there for the press yet. They've got the council members kind of spread out. But this guy, from the public comment, it was really not what Merced's about. It wasn't a typical Merced meeting. I thought the council showed a lot of restraint. And it really kind of brought up a question to me about safety. And I'm uh, all for open meetings and approaching our government, being able to talk to people, you know, the Zoom, 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 the virtual meeting format, I can tell you, had a lot of problems, a lot of problems, leads to a, well, just, it's not good. The The accountability is not there that you have in a personal meeting. But this guy, I felt, was somewhat threatening. And could have been a bigger problem than it was. Thank goodness it wasn't. And I'm just wondering if it's time to maybe harden City Hall a little bit. You know, they put the the bulletproof plastic up a few, well, I don't know, Kerrigan was there. It was a year or so, two years now. I kind of lose track of time. Very similar to what you see if you've ever been over there to Bank of America. I'm sure other institutions have this kind of thing. McCag. Recently, uh, well, not not so recently, they kind of hardened their facility over there off of 18th Street. And I think the city council uh, needs to look at city hall, maybe the city managers, maybe he's already thought about this. Uh, I, I, The city attorney, I don't know. I'm, you know, once you get in the chambers, I think it should be fairly open, but it's getting in the chambers. And I appreciate that we have a police officer sitting there in the back, but... This gentleman was uh, very, very close to the city manager at one point and made a uh, query as to who the city manager was. And uh, that's, at that point, I felt a little uh, nervous as to what he would have done, uh, knowing that the city manager was standing right or sitting right next to him. And, and again, I, I don't think that, that uh, we need to overreact. But I think that it, it brings up an issue, these people. And, you know, the staff, I... I don't know. I don't know if he needed it to walk or or not. But again, a kind of a disturbing thing at the public comment. Then there was a gentleman that got up from the fleet division. I think his name was Cosmo of City and Public Works because they had approved a contract with the firefighters, uh, or it was coming up in the consent item, and he was appreciative that his fire department brothers uh, were having uh, that compensation given to them because they spent a lot of money. The city did on a compensation study, 
looking at what people get in surrounding areas. And he goes, hey, why have a compensation study if you don't follow it? And that made a lot of sense to me. So it was good to see the city council at least get the fire department brothers, our fire department friends over at the fire department a uh, contract. I think it's a three-year contract. Not quite sure. Now we just have a couple of, I think the police are still kind of waiting around. So we'll see if we can get everything taken care of. Then Tim Rosari came up. It was kind of an interesting, uh, cryptic comment. He said he's filing a formal complaint against one of the council women. There's only two. It turned out to be Bertha Perez for some sort of slight that Mr. Rosari uh, felt he had against the councilwoman. There was also another guy that came up and talked about uh, I don't know if he worked for Mr. Rosari or not, but they both brought this issue up. Later on in the meeting, toward the end, they mentioned that this would be discussed in open session, which kind of surprised me. I thought these accusations, that sort of thing, were discussed in, uh, discussed in closed session. But this particular incident, the way it was brought up, and I need to look into the procedural issues of it, but uh, they're going to talk about it next meeting and what the, uh, the beef is. Councilwoman Perez did not seem disturbed by the uh, by the accus you know the uh, concern brought up by Mr. Rosario. There was no accusation; it was just a formal complaint. So we'll see what goes on with that. Hey, we're out of time for the second segment. Citizen Watch, six a.m. My name is Casey Stee, the voice of your valley. We'll be right back. Third and final segment. Stick with us. say to you I don't know if I'll have enough time so many things to report on here in the city of mercy my name is Casey Steve the voice of your valley citizen watch Merced's news talk 107.3 FM 1480 AM KYOS third and final segment 6 a.m. hour September 25 25th the last September the last September well it is the last September in the in this year isn't it the last weekend of the year Let's get right into it. We were talking about the city council meeting and the public comment. A little, uh, little dicey there. First guy was uh, really upset. Then uh, Tim Rosari came up, talked about that. Oh, then a weed guy. I'm sorry. A dispensary gentleman came up. Wants a new dispensary. Maybe more uh, dispensaries in the commercial areas, the commercial zones. Talked about that. And uh, let's see, Adam Lane with the uh, LGBTQ+. They talked about considering flying the intersex and transgender pride flag at Bob Hart Square in November. And they also, a uh, gentleman got up and said, hey, what the real, the real move for the city council would be to fly that down at City Hall. I don't believe the policy right now allows that. I don't know if they... When they revisited their flag policy, I think it just applied to Bob Hart Square because that is a, a city-owned facility. I know there was some talk in Fresno about that. Chief Dyer used to be the police chief. He, uh, I guess he's Mayor Dyer, not Chief Dyer. Everybody knew him as the police chief. A few months ago, there was an issue there, and I know they have a 
I don't know, kind of a park or a, prom- prom- a promenade where they fly flags. And he eventually acquiesced after, uh, after some thought, reflection, and brought that, uh, brought that over to uh, the city hall. Let's see. Uh, there was the consent calendar, which usually is something that goes very quickly or should go very quickly because it's consent. These are kind of uh, routine items, you know, buying things, purchasing things, contracts, uh, administering of grants, you know, accepting money so you can spend it on various things. So out of the, uh, I don't know, 17, 18 consent items, they pulled 5, 6, 10, 12, 13, 14, and 15. And this is what makes the meeting a little long. So one of the first items was the uh, G Street water to repair. A lot of these items are pulled by the same gentleman. I don't know his name, but uh, he's been at several city council meetings over the last few months. And it keeps getting more and more in-depth, his level of not understanding, not knowing what's going on in these staff reports. The information is there. He admits that he doesn't understand, he doesn't know, he doesn't know why. And he seems to be the only one. I've seen staff and the mayor make great efforts to try to help this gentleman understand, to try to set him up with city staff ahead of time, afterward, during the meeting, respond to questions. And it's the same thing week after week after week. And it doesn't make sense because this takes up a lot of time of everybody's effort. And I understand it's the public, but I I don't know if his motives are more to lengthen the meetings because some of these things are very, very easy to follow along if you read the staff report. And it seems that after explanations are given, then he understands suddenly and thanks everybody, but again, five, ten minutes have gone away and you have, uh, you know, eight, nine items, that adds up. One of his comments was, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, you're the only one that pulled the item, so maybe you should familiarize yourself. One of the issues on the G Street water repair he had was the markup rates of the contractors. And the same gentleman, not only in the consent calendar, but in some of the other issues that come up in the public hearings where they apply to inclusionary zoning, affordable housing, rent control, rental inspections, rental registries, is very uh, derogatory to the business community. And that was somewhat his comments on this G Street repair project, feeling that the contractors were gouging Their markups were too high. And again, it had to be explained to him that this contract was done on an emergency basis. There's set rates, there's set practices in the industry. Being a licensed electrical contractor myself, I can tell you that it's not slavery. We're not forced to do anything. These are voluntary contracts, agreements that they're entered into with the city of Merced. And I don't really understand what you want to have happen. Another subject that came up later on in the meeting about affordable housing. 
and trying to give developers a break, this gentleman, I believe, made the comment that, why should we? There's enough profit in the homes they build to build affordable homes. And again, this indicates to me, at least, a complete lack of understanding of how free enterprise works, let alone how the system, the city procurement system works. And I think he's just wasting a lot of time of not only the council, but city staff and the public. Another question he had was our purchase of crude glycerin. I didn't even know we purchased crude glycerin. It's somehow used in the wastewater process to get rid of nitrates. He uh, rightly observed that the price has gone from 75 cents a unit, whatever, a pound, gallon, I don't know how they buy it, to $4. Well, I guess you don't go to Home Depot or Lowe's and know, seeing the price of a 2 by 4 What's happened to that lately? Or a sheet of plywood or wire. A roll of 10-3 Romex is $410. That's a lot more than I've been used to paying for it in the 30 years I've been in business. So things go up. But again, I don't understand. Supply and demand. Maybe you should take some classes about economics. So his question was, what do we do when the costs are high? Well, you pay it because we need this glycerin. Then there was an issue about DUI checkpoints. There was some money being given from a grant. I believe it was from MAD or somebody, whether it's against drunk drivers, some sort of enforcement program where you have to set up the, well, they do a couple of different things. They have checkpoints and then they have saturation patrols. It's when you go out, bar closing, Friday, Saturday nights, when the people are maybe out having a good time, too good of a time, drinking and driving. And uh, they uh, pulled this item because they felt that, you know, too many checkpoints. That's kind of intrusive, kind of picking on people. I Again, I, I talked earlier in another segment about a situation in Fresno where some young people, all under 21, were out. Very serious accident. One person killed, one person paralyzed. Driver and another person ran away, eventually caught in, uh, I guess found out to have been drinking and driving. So again, these checkpoints, these saturation patrols, that's why they have them, to maybe catch those kind of things. And then item 12, 13, 14, and 15 were all kind of the same, the same issue. This is where the ARPA money is being spent on some of the uh, folks down at the city. Specifically, this was the city manager and our tremendous financial officer, Venus Rodriguez. Men are from Mars and... Finance officers are named Venus. She's done a great job, absolutely wonderful job of managing our money. Now we have this 20, uh, what, $27 million we're trying to figure out how to spend. And we know what we can spend it on. And one of, it, one of the things is the uh, hazardous pay, uh, you know, the uh, COVID pay, that sort of thing. And again, Mr. Uh, this gentleman, got to get his name right, stood up and uh, very... Uh, very derogatory as to the reasoning behind giving city staff, any city staff, firefighters, anybody a raise. They just, this person just did not understand. This was echoed by a couple of other people 
also. Wanting to know why the ARPA money instead wasn't going to the Amazon workers, the field workers, the low-wage workers. Well, because they don't work for the city. There's about 500 employees that work for the city that serve 90,000 people. Now, I, I'm not saying that the Amazon workers don't need help, don't need... Well, they just got some legislation this week in regards to their work environment, breaks, quotas, that sort of thing. But this is not the city's responsibility. And, and I don't understand why... Well, it's, it's posturing because there's still a lot of money left to be spent. But if anybody deserves the money that is being dispersed now through the ARPA fund, it is our city workers, and they're not that highly paid. So to call them highly paid workers, well, I kind of find it, kind of find it funny that a lot of these folks, and I don't know if this gentleman is, but a lot of these folks that get up and rabble-rouse, kind of throw rocks at the city, say that their priorities are all wrong, are actually paid organizers themselves, which is kind of funny to me. Police and fire, uh, though that's where the money needs to go. He uh, indicated that, or somebody came up and talked about that because you give this money away to police and fire, to the city manager, to the finance officer, you don't care about us. And that is just not true. Just not true. Jesse Ornalis made the comment, even though he voted along with the, with the uh, rest of the council, he said the timing looks bad. Well, why does it look bad? We got the money. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's never been done before. Again, it'll be interesting to see where the balance of this money gets spent. But fire and police, that's where it should go. Councilman Echevarria made that point. Then they went into the zoning ordinance of the cannabis. They're making some changes to how they evaluate the businesses coming in wanting to set up the pot shops, the weed dispensaries, the marijuana industry here in Merced. One of the things I found interesting is they have labor peace agreements written into the ordinance so that if you have, I think it's five or more employees, you have to enter into a labor peace agreement. This means you, uh, I believe, are unionized or some sort of benefit package. It's not just, you know, at-will employment. And I find it interesting they impose this on a private industry Again, this was brought up by some of the more progressive members of the council. Evidently, it's been incorporated into the wording of the new ordinance. What about taco trucks? What about other businesses, restaurants? Why don't we have labor peace agreements with them? Why doesn't the city council get in the middle of private enterprise if you really... Or is it just you take the low-hanging fruit with the legalized dealing of drugs? I don't know. I just labor peace agreement. And if you don't sign it, there will be no peace. Isn't that what they're saying? They made the list, the uh, authorization list, those that are qualified good for only a year. There was some talk that, and if you've seen the application process, I think it should be longer than a year because it's a thick, thick thing you have to fill out. But uh, evidently after a year, if you're not picked, they start all over. 
A lot of folks talked about the, uh, this one guy got up, talked about the equity quote, uh, score that they give, and he wanted to know where the score was for folks, you know, a bonus score for those that have been convicted in the past of drug dealing that are now wanting to get into the business because the thought on some people is they were unfairly prosecuted when weed was illegal. Well, it was illegal back then. And now they want a benefit for being arrested for something that was illegal in the past. Some things just seem a little upside down. Hey, we're out of time. Six o'clock went quick, didn't it? We'll be back next week. Eight o'clock is Larry, excuse me, Lloyd Pereira, Supervisor District 4, nine o'clock, Outwater Spotlight. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. And all the lights that light the way are blinding.